Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. I recognize that like you don't necessarily know me. My name is Josh. I'm the lead teaching pastor uh, here at Vertical. And uh, kind of, you know, before we get in, kind of help you kind of know where I approach church from. I grew up in church. Uh, church kid, man. Let's hear it for church kids. Anybody else grow up in church? Woohoo! Yeah. I was born on a Sunday. Um, I, I joke with my mom that, um, or I used to joke with my mom that she stopped uh, to have the, the, the women of the church pray for her on the way to the hospital because that's what we did every time I went to the doctor. So I just assumed that's what we did the first time uh, when I was making my entrance into the world. And so um, I'm pretty, I'm, I, I grew up so much in church, I'm almost positive my first slow dance was to Our God is an Awesome God. Because there's that line about him putting on the Ritz, and that's just, that's a slow dance right there. Like, that's just, that's automatically dancing to that. And so, we left room for the Holy Ghost, and that was it. And so, grew up in church. Um, so, I'm real familiar with, like, church people and, like, church cliches. You know what I mean? Like, things that you only hear in church. Um, like, uh, you're probably familiar with a few of these. And if you are, finish them for me. Um, so, You've probably heard the saying, you know, you, you gotta you gotta let go, and you've been around church too, right? So, um, how about this one? God is good, and all the time, right? You know, church, church. We all say the same thing. How about this one? God is never late, but he's, but sometimes it feels like he's late. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know about that one. I don't really understand all of the other ones either, but, okay, he might not be late, but God ain't ever early. Anybody say amen? Like, God has never been early, ever. In my life or your life or anybody, like, he might not be late, but he's definitely not early. In fact, God God operates on his own timetable. You know what I mean? And that's not shocking. He's God. He can do that, right? When you create your universe, you can operate on your timetable as much as you want. So so God does that. And and maybe you're here today, and that cliche absolutely rubs you the wrong way. You're like, I don't know if he's on time, late, or never going to show up, because I've been waiting for what seems like an eternity, for God to show up and do something. And maybe you're waiting for God to move. And maybe you're waiting for God to, to do something miraculous in your life. Maybe you're here today and, and there's something physically wrong in your body. And you've been praying and asking God to do a, a miracle in your physical body. And you're just waiting. And you're waiting. And you're waiting. And nothing's happening. Maybe you're waiting on God to, to do something in a relationship. Maybe... Uh, maybe it's a marriage. Maybe it's a son and daughter uh, relationship, mom and dad relationship, and it's just not been the same for years. And you're just waiting. And maybe you feel like, maybe you feel like God's late. Maybe you feel like He's never going to show up. Maybe you feel like you missed your chance. Like you had your shot and you 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 blew it. You know, you 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 did not take the advice of Hamilton. You did not take your shot when you had it. Any Hamilton fans? It's like two of y'all. Whew, tough crowd on Easter Sunday. Anyway, the truth is, today we're going to look at a, a passage of Scripture that we've been building up to for seven weeks now. Uh, if you're new here, we're in this series called I Am, Jesus in His Own Words. And, 
Each week, for the last seven weeks, we've been taking an I am statement of Jesus. For those of you who aren't familiar with Christianity, maybe this is your first time, maybe this is your first time back in a long time. In the Gospel of John, seven times Jesus will utter the phrase, I am, and then he finishes it with a statement. It's Jesus defining Jesus' own self. It's, it's not Jesus in the words of the, even in the words of the disciples. It's not Jesus in the words of the Pharisees. It's Jesus in his own words. He says, he says, I don't want you to have to figure out who I am. So I'm just going to tell you. I am. And he says, he says early in the Gospel of John, he says, I am the bread of life. So if you're hungry, if you feel wilted, if you feel starved, if you feel longing for something, I want to be the bread for you. He says, I am the light of the world. For all those people who are wandering around in darkness, who can't find their way, who can't, who can't see clearly the road ahead of them, I want to be your light. He said, I am the good shepherd. There are a lot of shepherds in the world, lots of, of, of things that want to lead you this way or that. Jesus says, I am the good one. He says, I am the door. In fact, uh, we, we looked at how the shepherd will lay down in the door into the entrance of the sheep pen to keep the predators away from the sheep. And Jesus says, I'm that for you. I am your passageway. I'm standing in the door. And if anything wants to get to you, it's got to come through me. Jesus said, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He made an exclusive claim. He is the way, but he included everybody. Everybody can come through this way. Last week, we looked at his statement when he said, I am the true vine. If you feel like your life is wilted up, maybe it's because you've attached yourself to a false vine and life isn't able to flow into you. Today, we're wrapping it all up with the statement from John chapter 11, where Jesus will say, I am the resurrection. It's a good passage to look at on Easter Sunday. It's the perfect thing to spend about 30 to 55 minutes. Your ham's going to overcook. I'm sorry, I'll apologize now, but uh, no, we'll, we'll, you'll, you'll be fine. Let me catch you up on the story. So there's this guy. John chapter 11, if you have a Bible, you can open it there. We're going to pick up in verse 17, but I'm going to catch you up all the way to verse 17. So there's this guy named Lazarus. He's sick. Um, he, he's sick, and he's got two sisters. Their names are Mary and Martha. And you may be familiar with Mary and Martha. They appear several times in the Gospel of John. In fact, John tells us here that this Mary is the same Mary that poured oil on Jesus' feet and anointed him with perfume and washed his feet. That's this Mary. They're dear friends of Jesus. Dear friends of Jesus. And in fact, Lazarus isn't just sick, but he's on his deathbed. He, he's on his deathbed and it gets worse. He's to the point of death. And so Mary and Martha do the only thing that they know to do. They send word to Jesus. That's all John tells us. He said they send word. We don't know. Did they write him a note? Did they send him a text message? Did they, did they, did they uh, you know, hit him up on Voxer? We don't know. They just, they got word to him. Let's imagine because of the time they, they sent him a note. They sent him a note. I find it interesting, just kind of before we really even get into it, that Mary and Martha don't let 
their worry separate them from Jesus. See, it's real easy sometimes when, when um, difficulties and trials and frustration comes into our life to allow it to bring distance between us and God. But they don't do that, and we, they don't do that because they have the heart of a worshiper. We see that in Mary, and so worry brings distance between us and God, but worship brings us closer to God. And so Mary and Martha, they don't waste the moment. They send word to Jesus because they want to draw close to Jesus, and then they say this to him. Think about this. If you, had, if you were best friends with Jesus and your brother was sick to the point of death, what would you say to get Jesus' attention? What would you write down to get Jesus to take note of how serious this situation is? All that Mary and Martha say to Jesus is that the one you love is sick. The one you love is sick. They, they don't appeal on behalf of Lazarus's merit. They don't say, Jesus, the one who gave so much to further your ministry, is sick. They don't, they don't appeal based on Lazarus's spirituality. Jesus, the one who worships you so good, the one who lifts his hands so high when you come into town, that one's sick. Instead, they appeal to his love. They could have, think about this, they could have done all kinds of things. They could have gone, they could have gone creepy Christian route on it. You know, do you know what creepy Christian is? Creepy Christian are those people who think that like lots of breathing is really spiritual. So they could have done that. They didn't. They could have gone real formal. They could have gone King James. Thou, thou greatest servant of thine hath gone under, and he doth need thine attention. Don't do that. They could have, they could have been like my, my second son, Cole. They could have sent him a text message, all caps with 15 exclamation points. Dad, 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 dad. Yes. They don't do that. They don't do any of that. They just say, hey, Jesus, you remember how you love Lazarus? He needs you right now. They knew that Jesus' love was enough to get his own attention. Let me ask you this question before we really even get in the message this morning. What if Jesus' love for you was all that it took for him to notice you? Think about that today. Not how good of a Christian you've been, not how bad of a person you've been, not how many, how many good deeds you've stacked up or how many sins you've committed. None of that. Just his love. What if it's his love that's enough to get his attention so that it doesn't really even have anything about, to do about you? What if it's just his love that draws him close to us? What if it's just his love that motivated him to go to the cross? What if it was just his love that would get his focus on Lazarus that day? Well, Jesus reads the note and he looks at it and he's like, okay, well, looks at the people around him and he says, Lazarus is sick, but um, this sickness isn't going to... Um, 
isn't going to end in death. God's going to get the glory through this. In fact, God's going to reveal something about me through the middle of this. So um, instead of going to go check, on, check up on Lazarus, we're just going to wait here a couple more days. Hold up. You remember how we said earlier, like, God's never late, but he's always on time? I don't know if that's true. Because check this out. Look at this. Mary and Martha needed Jesus to show up now, right? Like, Jesus, Lazarus is almost dead. We need a miracle now, right? Not later, now. And so look at this. John chapter, seven, John chapter 11, verse 17. This is where we're going to pick up the story. This is what John tells us. On his arrival... So Jesus finally makes his way to the town, right? Jesus found out that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. God's never late. He's always on time. Tell Mary and Martha that. (laughs) He's late. He's not just late. He's four days late. Jesus, you waited so long. He's already gone. We've already had the funeral. The casseroles have all been eaten, Jesus. These are, this is in southern Israel. You know this because look at this. Look at this, next, look at this next line, okay? Look at verse 18. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Mar- Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. And you don't show up to a funeral without a casserole. You don't. They didn't either. See, we think that like the Bible is real like outdated and so far beyond our culture that we need an interpreter. No, go to a funeral in the south. Casseroles all over the place. This is what Mary and Martha experienced. When Lazarus died, everybody came to comfort them. He's been dead for four days when Jesus walks in. Now that four days, that is an important note. John doesn't just throw that in there. According to Jewish folklore, kind of the the idea of that day, kind of a cultural belief, um, when a person died, their spirit kind of hovered over their body, if you will, for three days. And then on the fourth day, it was gone. So this is John's way of telling us, Lazarus is completely and fully dead. He is dead, dead. He's not mostly dead. He's not ish dead. He's dead. He's dead, dead. There is is no resuscitating Lazarus at this point. And maybe you walked in here today, and that's how you feel about something in your life. It's dead. It's dead, dead. It's dead beyond the point of, of, of re- revival. It's just, it's gone. The dream is gone. The marriage is gone. The child relationship is gone. My spiritual, my chance to be in relationship with Jesus is done. It's gone. It's dead, dead. John keeps on going. Look at, look at how Martha responds. Man, this is so real, so raw. If you've... If you've ever experienced God being late, you know exactly how Martha feels. Look at this. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Look how Martha responds. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus walks on the scene and Martha's upset. She's frustrated and she's going to let him know. Jesus You're late. 
I thought you were never late. I heard it all my life as a kid. He's never late. He's always on time. But Jesus, you waited too long. He's four days dead. All hope is gone. What? Can you, can you feel the pain in her voice? This is her brother, and he's gone. And the one person who could have done, the one person she had seen heal people, the one person she had seen speak life, and people who couldn't walk would walk, and blind eyes would open. And Peter, Peter's mom, she was sick, laying on the deathbed, and Jesus, you took care of Peter's mom. Why can't you take care of my brother? Why are you so late? He's gone. But she's holding on. Look at this. She's holding on to just a shred, a shred of faith. Verse 22, she says, But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Man, that's that's some strong faith right there. This is beyond anything that she has witnessed or experienced. Martha gets a bad rap because she was the one who was working all the time and Mary was at the feet of Jesus and Martha was tending and she was like, hey, can you get my sister and over here because there's some housework that needs to be done and Jesus says, she's doing the right thing and Martha's like, well, I thought this was the right thing. But here, and we're like, she didn't have faith. She didn't know how to be in relationship with Jesus. Come on, what kind of faith is this? Jesus, all my hope is gone. All of my, 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 my thoughts, my ideas that you're going to, all of it's wasted, all of it's done. But even now, even now, after Jesus, after the dream is shattered, after, what my, after the future that I had planned out is lost, after all of my hope is four days dead, Jesus, I still have hope. How do you respond when what you expected isn't what you experience? Can you still trust God? Can you still hold on to, even in the midst of hopelessness, can you still hold on to even when, even now, I've got a shred of faith in you? Look what Jesus does. Jesus responds to her. And let me tell you, like sometimes Jesus is annoying, and this is one of those times. He says to her, he says, your brother will rise again, which we know this is annoying because this is how Martha understood it. Look what she says. She says, oh, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. (sighs) Yeah, Jesus, I know. It's all going to make sense in heaven. (laughs) People get on your nerves when they say junk like that. Like, shut up. I don't want to hear that right now. Like, oh, it's going to be better someday. Listen, today stinks, man. I'm going through this trial. I'm going through this difficulty. I don't want to know how it's all going to make sense in the end. And that's how Martha understood his words. Oh, it's going to all make sense in the end. Yes, Jesus, I know. Eventually, some point... In the future, everybody's going to rise again. It's going to be great, and I'll have my brother back. I know. I get it, Jesus. But you got to understand, it still hurts a little bit. But, okay, you're right. Jesus, I'm going to do the right Christian thing. You're, yes, Jesus, you're right. Amen. Hallelujah. 
thank you, but you can go. <laughs> We're not ready for what Jesus does. We're not ready for the, the response Jesus gives her because, because Mary and Martha came to Jesus expecting a healing. They didn't know they were going to get a revelation of who he is. They came expecting him to do something about the situation. They didn't realize that he was going to take the situation and reveal something about who he came to the world to be. Look at this. Jesus, Jesus looks at this and he says, he says, I know you're thinking that, he's, that I'm talking about the end of time, that heaven is great and he'll rise again. He says, that's wonderful, but Mount Martha, look at me. And he said, look at me. He said, I am, verse 25, Jesus says to her, he says, I am. Am the resurrection. I know he's going to rise again in the resurrection at the last day. No, Martha, I am the resurrection. You're looking for something off in the future, someday, then and there. I am it right here and now. Up to this point, Jesus had just been a healer of diseases, a healer of blinded eyes, a provider of fish, a provider of bread. But this is different. There's something different about this statement. Jesus isn't saying, Martha, I'm able to resurrect your brother. Because Jesus wasn't telling her what he was going to do. He was telling her who he is. And that's a different, that's a different kind of statement. Jesus didn't say, I do resurrecting things. Jesus said, I am the resurrection. Get around me and dead things start coming to life. Hang out with me and watch me revive things that you thought were four days dead. Resurrection isn't something I do, it's who I am. Resurrection, Martha, isn't meant for just eternity. It's for right here and right now. Resurrection is a present tense action. He said, he said if, you, if, you will, if you'll hang out with me, I'll resurrect your journey. I'll resurrect your relationships. I'll take things that are dead because of shame and condemnation, and I'll breathe life into, the, into them again. I'll take old, dead, dry bones of a spirituality that has withered and completely wilted away, and I'll speak life into it again and vibrancy again, and water will flow again into your life, and you will live again, and you will breathe again, and you will walk with me again. Resurrection. Resurrection gives us a glimpse of not what God wants to do then and there. Resurrection gives us a glimpse of what God wants to do here and now. Resurrection isn't for when Jesus comes back. It's for them, but it's not just for them. Resurrection is not a once-a-year holiday. It's an everyday reality that you, that you have the opportunity to walk in and walk out. Every time you need a new resurrection, it's just a moment away because Jesus is just a moment away. Look what happens. Jesus continues talking. He says, he looks at Martha and he says, the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And then check this out. He says, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then he looks at Martha and he says, Martha, do you believe this? I love, that Jesus doesn't, I love that Jesus doesn't look at Martha and say, Martha, do you understand what I've just told you? 
Because I would be like, no. Jesus, you went right over my head. What? If I believe in you, even though I die, I never die. I'm, I'm What? He doesn't say, do you get it? He doesn't look at Martha and say, Martha, can you comprehend the words that have just come out of my mouth? No, he just says, Martha, can you believe this? Believe what? Can you believe in me? Martha, that's all I'm asking you to do. I'm not asking you to believe that I can resurrect the dead. I'm asking you to believe that I am the resurrection. Can you believe in? Look what he said again. Just look at this, verse 25 and 26 again. The one who believes in. That phrase believes in is like, it's similar to saying the one who puts their weight upon. It's like, it's like everybody in this room right now, you're believing in the chair you're sitting in because you believe that that chair can hold your weight. That is exactly what Jesus is saying to Martha. Martha, if you will rest in me, if you will sit down in me and put all of your weight in me, Martha, I can hold you up. If you'll believe in, if you'll rest in, if you'll lean upon me, even if you die, you'll never, even if you die, you will live. Again, do you believe this? Look what Martha says. Look at this. This is amazing. Verse 27, Martha responds. She says, Yes, Lord, I believe that not you will, not that you do. Look what she says. She says, I believe that you are. That's it right there. That's the gospel, man. Do you believe this? Jesus, I believe you are who you've been telling us you are. I believe that you are the bread of life. I believe that you are the light of the world. And yet, Jesus, I believe that you are the resurrection. So Martha runs off. She goes to get Mary. Mary comes to see Jesus. Mary falls down at Jesus' feet, says the same thing that Martha does. Look, Jesus, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Jesus sees all the, the hurt, and he says, take me to the tomb. And so they take him to the tomb, and there's a a large stone rolled across the entrance to the tomb. And Jesus says, roll the stone away. Martha says, Jesus, we can't roll the stone away. He's been dead four days. He stinks. Might not say it that way in your translation, but that's the gist of what she says. Because there there might not be degrees to death, but there are degrees to decay, okay? And so decay had kicked in in the southern heat of Israel, and so um, there was a bad odor. And so... Jesus said, Martha, don't you understand your moments away from getting your brother back and you're concerned about how it's going to smell? Roll the stone away. So they, they roll the stone away. And I wonder this morning if, if that's some of the same words Jesus is saying to us this morning. Roll the stone away. And we're coming at him like, Jesus, I can't do that. Why can't you do that? Because I'm too jacked up. I'm too messed up. 
I can't roll the stone away. Jesus, I can't roll the stone away this morning. People are going to see me. They're going to find out junk about me. They're going to know that maybe I haven't been living right. They're going to find all this. I've been covering all this up behind the stone, Jesus. And you want me to roll it away? God, I can't do that. I'm too messed up. I'm too, I'm too, I'm too, <laughs> I'm too dead. I can't roll the stone away. God, what's behind this stone You can't do anything with this. It's too far gone. But here's what I know about Jesus, man. Here's what I know about God. Here's the truth that you need to understand today. God has the power to raise the dead, but he'll ask you to roll away the stone. God absolutely has the power to raise the dead. He'll resurrect your life. He'll resurrect your journey. He'll resurrect your dreams, but he'll ask you to roll the stone away. He'll ask you to take that step to expose some things in your life, to remove the stone. So Jesus says, roll the stone away. And they rolled the stone away. And Jesus stood at the entrance and he said, Lazarus, come forth. And out came Lazarus hopping along, all wrapped up like a mummy in a thriller video or something. But he came out, right? He came out and Jesus said, look at what Jesus said. It's not going to be on the screen. This is just from from, from the Gospel of John. He said, take the grave clothes off. And today, this morning, is a time for some of you to take the grave clothes off. You've been bound up by some junk. You've been bound up by some stuff that's just keeping you in that grave. And Jesus says to you this morning, take the grave clothes off and put the grace clothes on, baby. You're going to look good this Easter. Take the grave clothes off. So here's the deal. Resurrection is who Jesus wants to be for you today. Resurrection is is who he wants. It's not just what he wants to do in your life. It's who he wants to be in your life. Because the deal is, man, without Jesus, we're we're all dead. Spiritually, physically, without Jesus, we have no hope. There are not degrees to death. No degrees to death. We're dead. We're like Lazarus. We're four days dead. Without Jesus, dead is dead. But just like Lazarus, God's love is what motivates him to look at your grave, to look at the the grave clothes that have been holding you bound, To look at your stone. It's his love that motivates him to come to your tomb. And to say, to say, John, Samantha, come forth. Take the grave clothes off. Roll the stone away. Dave, come on, come on out. Come on out. Melissa, it's time for you to get out of that grave. It's time for you to walk out of that tomb. And so he's standing at the entrance to your grave. And the reason he could do this is because he went into it first. I like the way one preacher said, said Jesus went into the grave so he could get us out. It's like the ultimate prison breakout. He broke in so he could break us out. And today, the moment Jesus came out of that grave, everything that was dead inside of you and everything that was in dead inside of me could have resurrection life in him. So God has brought us to this moment. 
The reason that you're here today isn't because somebody invited you. That's a byproduct. You're here today because God wants to do something in your life. Scripture says this. It says God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. Today, I want you to know you can leave no matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how far. It doesn't matter how many times you've you've surrendered to Jesus and blown it. It doesn't matter how many times you've wasted every opportunity that you've been given, where you're from, what you've done, how long it's been since you've cried out to him. Today, he's ready to resurrect something in you. For some of you, it's going to be it. It's going to be new life for the very first time. For some of you, you're going to receive the new life that Jesus offers for the very first time. Scripture says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So today, when we have a chance to pray, if you'll roll the stone away, he'll resurrect your life in him. For others of us in the room, there's something that's been decaying in your life. There's some kind of death that's just been holding on to you, clinging on to you. And today, Jesus wants you to take those grave clothes off to be dressed in the righteousness of the Son of God so that when God looks at you, all He sees is Jesus. So here in a... Here's what I want to do. I'm going to go ahead. We've got several men and women in here that are going to pray with you. So I'm going to invite them to go ahead and make their way to the front. They're just going to, they're going to stand up here in the front and they're going to face you. And here in a second, I want to give you a chance to, to receive prayer. But before we do that, I think, you, I think there are some people in the room that it's, it, it's time for you. Listen, I don't know what you've, I don't know what's been holding you back. I don't know why you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus yet, but today's your day, man. Resurrection Sunday is your day. Today's gonna be the day you surrender your life to Jesus. And so here's what I wanna do. Everybody in the whole room with your eyes closed, your heads bowed, I wanna lead us all through a prayer. And if that's you, man, I want you to understand, he's going to hear you, he's going to change your life, and he's gonna give you a brand new beginning this morning. So all over the room, listen, I want everybody, just everybody, if you're, if you're already like, if you're good with the Father, that's cool. If you're good with Jesus, that's awesome. Just pray this with us. Pray this as an encouragement to the person sitting beside of you who's praying it for the very first time. Just say this, say, Heavenly Father, thank you for speaking to me today. Thank you for walking with me. Thank you for opening my eyes to see my need for you. Today I roll the stone away. Forgive me for my sin. Jesus, I believe you died for me. I believe you rose for me. Today I declare you as my Savior. Send your spirit to live inside of me. I receive your forgiveness. Cleanse me and wash me. Speak new life into me.
Give me a new beginning. I wanna follow you. I wanna live for you. Make me new today. Listen, everybody with your eyes closed and your heads bowed down. Before I invite those of you who wanna come for prayer this morning, I wanna give you a moment to make a decision. If you just prayed that prayer, if you just prayed that prayer on the count of three, three because of the, he rose on the third day, right? On the count of three, I want you to put your hand up in the air. You prayed that prayer. You just surrendered your life to Jesus. You just made a brand new start to your life. You just came out of the grave. You just walked out of the tomb because Jesus just spoke new life into your physical being. And your your whole new reality is now resurrection reality, not grave reality. If that's you today and you just surrendered your life to Jesus, on the count of three, I want you to put your hand up. One, get ready because he's doing something in your life. Listen, this isn't just a a, a numbers game. When you raise your hand, it's a declaration to the enemy that I have surrendered my life to Jesus. I am his and he is mine too. Because when you lift your hand, he's about to flood all of your reality with with his grace, with his love to measures that you've never known. Ready on the count of three. One, two, three. Put your hand up. I I just surrendered my life to Jesus. Throw your hand up. Throw your hand up. Come on. Come on. Put your hand up in the air. Let him see it. Let him see it. Let him see it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Surrendering my life to you. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.